For those who are visiting with us, we have been going through what we know, what is known in the uh, this series of Psalms, Psalm 134, uh, 121, 120 to 134, as the Psalms of Ascent. And each of these psalms has a particular theme. Many believe that they were written when Israel came back from uh, captivity and they were making their way back. Of course, you know, they didn't have jets and trains to travel by. They walked. And these psalms were written at stopover and so on. And this, this Psalm 128 I have read about it before, I've preached from it before, but I've never studied it in detail as um, I have had this past week as I have been thinking of how it comes to, to you and me this morning. And I'm going to be dealing only with verses 1 and 2 and only, almost with only one word in Psalm 128. And I call it the apex of human emotions. The apex, the highest, the zenith. No emotion is higher than the emotion that I will be sharing with you this morning. And it's, it's almost um, a terrible thing to do because really this message needs more than, than one Sunday. But we have heard enough that I think we can pick up the pieces and put them together. I want to suggest something briefly in, in introduction. That I think we have made a very terrible, terrible mistake as Christians. The mistake is this. We have offered people the benefits of Christianity without telling them how to become a Christian. We tell them if you want to have a better home, a better marriage, if they want to have a better uh, uh, business, whatever it is, and we hear it all the time, become a Christian. And, and uh, when, when people become Christians, and then they hear some of the call, the claims, they say, you never told me that. You didn't tell me that I had to, to forsake you didn't tell me that I had to deny myself. You didn't tell me I had to pick up a cross. You tell me that I will be forgiven and that my forgiveness will bring freedom. Well, I want you to see that Psalm 128 verse 1 and 2 begins by saying how a better home and a better country and a better city can be arrived at. Listen to the words of verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 128. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his way, when you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. And then it goes on to show where the happiness begins. It goes into the home, into the relationship between the husband and the wife between the parents and the children, and between the home and the community. But we begin just at the other end. Let's see if we can learn something from the Israelites as they were making their way back to Jerusalem. 
And God was teaching them after 70 years in captivity what it is that they could learn. Let's begin, first of all, and ask ourselves this question. Where does fear come from? Fear can be a positive or a negative thing. Most of the things we know about fear is negative. Whenever we think of fear, we think of someone cringing, someone under the authority of, of political hands, if you please. Uh, and as we saw um, Friday night at the, the, watching the, uh, the movie film, um, you, I can only imagine how, how the, the 10-year-old boy lived in constant fear of his father because of the way the father treated him and the way he treated his mother. Now, I want to begin by, by, by being very careful here. But to take you back to Genesis, the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 to 10, gives us the reason or the source of fear. Before Genesis chapter 3, fear never was never experienced, was never used by those who existed, namely those in the garden. Never, it was never used. And what happened, we look at it and we see God communicating, relating to, enjoying, and it was reciprocal, Adam and Eve relating to, enjoying, not only the environment, but they were actually enjoying the presence and the person of the Almighty. I don't know what it must have been like. When I was in Belize, and we were in Belize a few weeks ago, the, the family, we had to pay a bit of money to be with them. And now I know why, because one of the things they did when we were there, they rented an island. And, and we were on that island all by ourselves. There was nobody, I mean, it was, it was a beautiful experience. And I wonder if it was something like that. I, I, I remember looking in every direction, and all you could see was the beautiful blue Caribbean sea all around. I, I thought of certain things, but I'm going to tell you what I didn't think about. I didn't think of politics or politicians. I didn't think of the news. Because every time you listen to the news, you become more dejected than anything else. No. I can only imagine, if you please, what it must have been like for this pair to be in such an environment where there was nothing to disturb them, nothing to come between them, nothing to blind their eyes to reality. It was all there. And don't ask me to explain how the change came because nobody knows. How is it that the devil was able to, 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 to get in there and put suggestions into the mind of Eve and say to her, God 
cannot be trusted. Don't trust them. The reason he is such a stingy God is because he wants to keep you under control. And he knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you will become like him. And the text tells us that Eve looked at the tree and she saw that what the devil was saying made sense to her, that it was good. That's what the idea means. She received it. The suggestion that God wasn't good sounded good to Eve. And she ate and gave some of her husband, some to her husband. Look at verse 8 of Genesis chapter 3. The moment she did that, their eyes were opened. I, I love this. And they knew that they were naked. Don't tell me that they didn't know that before. It's the same way as when God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Obviously, Adam was not alone. God was there. So he's saying something more than just they knew that they were naked. The word knew, the word knew is a tremendously important Hebrew word because it means to come to acknowledge something existing that wasn't there before. I didn't know this before. What they didn't know? They didn't know fear. The moment they disobeyed God, fear entered into human experience. It wasn't there before. Verses 8 to 10. Two things happen out of that experience of eating. Number one, the dread of God. God was no longer a delight to Adam and Eve. No longer a delight. I heard the sound of you coming, listen, and I was afraid. There it is. I heard the sound of you coming, coming and I was afraid. Never before has that happened in history. You see, my friends, when we look for a verdict, a horizontal answer to every human ill, we're looking in the wrong direction. The reason human beings behave the way they are, they do, is because something has gone wrong in their relationship. Not only the dread of God, not only does God become now a burden for Adam and Eve to think about, he, he, he is actually, I don't want to be with him. He makes me uneasy. But look, fear not only affected the vertical, fear affected the horizontal. Adam no longer trusted Eve. Cain no longer trusted Abel. And now human beings, because of fear, we fear one another. L listen to this, Exodus chapter 1, 8 to 10. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. 
And he said to his people, the Egyptians, Behold, the people of Israel are too many, and are too many for us, too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. If war breaks out, they join our enemies. They don't even know the people, but they fear them. If, if war breaks, therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them. The reason people are unkind to one another, friends, the reason we are fighting some of the things we are fighting in public spheres today is because we fear one another. We are, we are cautious. We are cautious. <laughs> Several years ago, Lois and I and, and Heather was just a little girl. We were in Washington, D.C., and, and we got lost, which is not easy. And, and we knew we weren't far from the White House because we could see the dome over there. But as we were driving through some of the parts in D.C., I said, roll the window up. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I, I don't even know where I am. I'm afraid to even get out of the car. Human fear. Human fear causes us, my friends, to prejudge people because we prejudge ourselves. Human fear interferes with our, our ability to relate. So when we read Psalm 128, blessed is everyone who fear, it's not talking about this kind of fear. This kind of fear comes from a different source altogether. And so when we, fear is introduced into human experience by man's rebellion against God, we cannot get away from it. We may try to explain it every way we can, but we will never be able to do it. Because every time, every time we find an answer to a problem we are facing, we have to provide another answer to the problem that comes out of the problems we have just solved. And we keep on going and going and going. Then how do we learn the kind of fear we're talking about in Psalm 128? Look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 to 20. In Exodus chapter 18, God is handing the Ten Commandments to his people, getting ready to go into the land to possess it. And Genesis chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 says this. Now all the people, after God had given it, all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of trumpet and the mountains smoking. The people were afraid. The exposure of the divine presence and power caused fear. I want you to look at the rest of that verse. And Moses said to the people, the people were trembling, Moses said, and the people said to Moses, you speak to us. And then Moses said to them, don't fear. 
They were afraid. Moses says, don't fear. And, and I, I'm just putting some words here. You can read it for yourself. How can we not fear when we have just seen? Listen to Moses. I'll explain it to you. Don't fear, for God has come. Our translation says test. Some translations say prove. God has come to prove or to show you what fear you are to live with. Listen to it now. God has come that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. Here is this fear, this kind of fear, this positive fear comes from God making a truce with us. The truce is not with God and me. The truce is with God and his son. Jesus Christ is the one who died to remove the fear that we ought to have from us because he pleased the Father's wrath. He pleased the Father's judgment. And so now, God comes with his fear. And note the difference. There is a fear for God and that there is a fear of God. That's this one. The fear of God is not the same as the God, the fear for God. For God means I'm intimidated. That's what, that's what Adam and Eve did. I can't stand your presence. The fear of God is to come to God so that he shows you by sharing with you who he is so that you will develop the proper respect for him. We call it reverence. Reverence. Reverence is to have the proper attitude that responds to someone who comes and gives to us the instruction that is necessary so that we are able to live with him and to live with ourselves. That's, got, that's the explanation of it. Every place where God comes to show us this healthy fear, it is always, every place, it is followed by a promise or by an order for something to do. Let me give you just two. God comes to Moses in the wilderness, and Moses is terrified, and God said, take your shoes off. I have heard the cry of my people, and I have come down to send you to deliver them. It is true that I am a God so great and so mighty that my presence can intimidate you, but I do not use who I am to intimidate you. I use who I am to bring you into a relationship with myself that you might have the proper response to me in order that you might have the proper response to others. We will never treat one another properly if we do not understand this. In the fifth chapter of Luke, in the fifth chapter of Luke, Jesus tells Peter where to find the fish. And Peter cast his net out, and a school of fish was caught. And when Peter saw it, he cringed. He said, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. 
See, he removed the negative fear so that the proper fear will give us the ability to approach others as well as to approach God. This, this, this proper fear is a good thing, friends. We, we, we try to, to, to just get rid of this word altogether. Be positive, positive thinking. L listen to this, Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You know, I never understood this. Because I used to say, the fear of the Lord, if I fear God, I won't do anything bad. It doesn't say that. He says the fear of the Lord is to hate what is bad. You see, we, it is possible for me not to, not to have a negative idea about something today. We're doing that every day in our lives. Things that used to be outlawed or things that used to be sacred before are no longer sacred. Because if I don't have a fear of God, I don't need to love you. In fact, it's interesting that God says to his people again and again and again, don't do this for I am the Lord your God. Belonging to God transforms our whole attitude to our, to our, to our very existence. The fear of the Lord is to hate, hate, hate it, to hate pride, to hate arrogance and every evil way. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from what is evil. And friends, I, I, you've heard me saying this before, but I, I don't think, I can't think of a better idea. I remember in college when we were studying introduction to philosophy, uh, to psychology, this one girl, we were talking about openness, and, and she said, I am so free with God, I can even swear at him. My friends, God doesn't come for us to become like him. God comes to us to transform us that we might be like we ought to be. You see, freedom is not the right to do what you want, but the responsibility to do what you should. See, that's, what, that's, that's this freedom that God come, brings to us, the wonderful privilege. Moses said, the Lord is come that his fear might be in you that you might not sin. So that when, when, when sin is presented to you in any kind of color, you say, no, because my relationship with God is more precious to me than anything that you can offer. Let me quickly end. That is the introduction to fear in human experience. How it comes... Here is the instruction. Here's the instruction. The instruction is God comes and he reveals himself in his majestic power. And when we are frightened, we come to realize that there's only one fear in the world that you and I ought to know, and that is the fear of God. Jesus said that in the New Testament. He said, don't fear man, because man is man, but fear him who can destroy your very soul in hell. The only fear that is necessary in this world is the fear of God. 
Let me talk briefly to the, to the, the importance, the importance of fear in human experience. You know, when I was a, a child, I, in, in my day they called it hooky. I played one day of hooky from school. I was reared by my mother. And I say of my mother, she was not an American, but she lived by its principle. She gave the stripes and I saw the stars. I spent my entire day under a bridge hoping that no one would tell my mother. I mean, I was, uh, these words used to scare me. Aren't you Mrs. Thurton's son? Oh, my word. Those words put the, put the fear in me. Let me suggest, my friends, that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to see how positive fear can be in a human life. What is this fear? Here it is. This is my definition of it, description of it. This fear that we're talking about in Psalm 120, 28 is a deep sense of reverence for God that produces God-like behavior. The fear of God is a deep sense of reverence for God that produces God-like behavior. Leviticus Leviticus 25, 17, you shall, you, shall, you shall do no wrong to one another, but you shall fear or reverence the Lord, for I am the Lord. You shall do no fear to one another. Oh, dear friends, we'll say more about this because this is just introduction. Let me give you two things, two things that happen out of this fear of God, the benefits of it. The word begins with, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Who knows this fear? Blessed. Verse 2 says, happy your life shall be. It's the same Hebrew word as blessed. So in other words, this fear doesn't lead to a moroseness, to a kind of a seriousness that, that robs you of the enjoyment of life. Happy shall you be, says the Lord. The man who fears the Lord is a happy man because he brings his whole life under the control of God and he knows that when he does what God wants him to do, he will live with a conscience that's void of offense toward God and man. He doesn't have anything to worry about. Oh man, I, I tell you. You know, this word blessed is such an important word, especially in the Old Testament. It is mentioned over 300 times. <laughs> I, I said someone might ask me if I, if I checked it out. Yes, I did. <laughs> Three plus more. 300 times. The word means to be happy, to be fortunate, to be envied, to be able to see someone who is living a life of peace and realize that that person is enjoying that kind of life because that person knows the fear of God in his life bringing all his ways, his walk. May I just close with this? Under the beauty, three things. The beauty, why this life is a happy life. 
Number one, from verses one and two, his conduct is divinely directed, verse one. Blessed is everyone who actually, what does the, 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 the psalmist says? Who fears the Lord, who walks in his way. Not a selfish way, not a political way, not a cultural way, in his way, in God's way. Blessed are those who walk in his way blameless. To walk in God's way is to be blameless before God. Number two, confidence is definite, I call it. <laughs> Look at what he says in verse 2 again. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hand, you will be happy and it will be well with you. What is he saying? This is the law of, of, of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you will reap. And if you sow according to the design of God, that's what you will reap. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. It will, it will make things better for you if you take it God's way. It, it will, number three, your calmness will be desirable. Others will want it. It will be well with you. That word well means something good, something pleasant, something delightful, something that is intrinsically good. When the fear of the Lord controls your life and you put all the, the ugliness out of your life because you're living with the fear of God, you become a happy person. You see, you're not trying to keep yourself from doing something. You're doing something because God has done it. Let me close with one illustration. And I close with this. A few weeks ago, Anthony Bourdain, the well-known TV personnel who traveled around the world to eat food. In my studies, I heard, read this about him. He said this, I have never seen my body as a temple. I have never seen my body as a temple. How did he see his body? He said, I saw my body as a fun house. A fun house. And my friends, that philosophy, that philosophy led this Hollywood star to commit suicide. To live with no concern for God and to do whatever you want. Listen to the words of Scripture. Proverbs 19.23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, not death. And whoever has it rests satisfied. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Gives you a sense of hope. I've never seen my body as a temple, but it's a fun house. My friends, one morning the fun ran out. And he had nothing to live for after that. But for you and me, Moses answers, said, don't fear. 
For the Lord has come that his fear might be on you, that you might not sin, because the fear of the Lord leads to life. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand what it is to fear God. That it is not a negative fear that we're talking about when we talk about reverence. It's that God is acknowledged to be God and responding to God leads to life. I pray that you will take this word and that you will make this word food for our souls that we might learn this fear that makes a man happy, bringing glory to God and living with a conscience void of offense both toward God and men. In Jesus' name, amen.